Sound Design Live. If you're listening to an audio-only version of this right now, then I urge you to go to sounddesignlive.com and check out the original post, Super Fun Instrument Design. Because listening to us talk about the instruments and seeing them in action is super fun. Sound Design Live. Welcome to Sound Design Live. I'm here with composer, designer, and controllerist Moldover. And I saw a show a couple of weeks ago and knew I wanted to interview him. And I knew I had to do it with video because he's got these great toys. For those of us that work in the industry, one of the most fun things about working in a recording studio or uh, a live event venue that has some high-tech tools is all the toys that we have there. And I like pushing buttons and turning knobs. Most people know about controllers like uh, <clears throat> MIDI controllers or drum pads, or fader banks. We use those at work a lot. Musicians bring them in, whatever, at the studio and uh, live. But you have some stuff that's a little more fun than that. Yeah, well, I'm really fascinated by the idea of, of uh, making new kinds of instruments with these technologies, like better human interfaces for controlling sound and making live music. So let's go ahead and show one of them. I like arcade games, so I really like these giant buttons. Where did you get these? Uh, these actually come from an arcade game parts manufacturer called Suzo Hap. So this 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 half, this hand of the Mojo is uh, where I trigger sounds and uh, mix them. So all these blue buttons are triggers for five different tracks. So I'll turn up the volume on one of the tracks. So you can restart with this blue button. And I can I can surf to different um, sounds like up and down with these. So and drum loop. So I've got volume. So you've got these loops running in Ableton Live right now. They're all going right now. Uh, yeah, I always have five loops running, and I, I switch them up, down, and start uh, with these these buttons. Okay. And it's Ableton, so you can do fun stuff like tempo changes, and everything stays in sync if you want. This is actually my quantized switch. So if I hit this and hit a bunch of these, then I know I've got a bunch of loops playing all synchronized. And this is a crossfader between the loops? Uh, I was using it as a crossfader, and then I just sort of... I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with crossfaders because okay. it's like a second level of complexity, you know? Mm -hmm. You could forget your crossfaders on the right and you turn up the fader on the right and nothing happens and there's something kind of counterintuitive to me about that. So I changed it to like a song selector. So it just sort of like picks songs for me and I can go directly to a specific song in my set. So this is a volume control. Uh, this is also a volume control. It's just like on-off. And that's really fun for rhythmic manipulation. Um, and I do uh, timbre kind of effects on the, the touch strips. So. And I do rhythmic stuff on the knobs. And Is that I, a delay effect you're adjusting? Yeah, it's like a group of delays with some cool, cool mappings to one mm -hmm. knob. Uh, and the switch is for spatialization, so it's a send, basically, all or nothing, to a reverb. Ah, oh, nice. 
or a delay. And so there's just five tracks, and that's how I mix. So what's going on on this side? Kind of the same thing? Um, this is actually, right now it's like master effects. So all these five tracks get summed together, and it's really dramatic, but these are effects <laughs> on, the, on the master bus, basically. Okay. Um, and so I've got, uh, well, we'll mix a couple things. So there's drums there, this little bass thing. Um, I'll just play them, because that's kind of an easier way, sure. and you can see what's going okay. on. It's just a bunch of momentary effects that are fun to affect uh, the whole mix with, and I kind of have them uh, grouped in such a way that you can combine them, which is really fun. So they all do something really simple, simple like these, mm -hmm. this is just a filter, and this is like just a bit reduction thing, and this is a stutter thing. But when you can, you know, grab all three of those things and move them in different ways, you can just kind of do an endless number of um, pretty expressive things and. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts about the way you've designed this and set it up is that I feel like I could approach this and start using it immediately. Remind me the name of this? That's called uh, the Mini Masher. The you have these things that are all immediately accessible. A lot of my instrument design uh, ideas came from making these kind of instruments, which uh, like this one, another one I've made called the Octomasher. They're multiplayer instruments, but they're also uh, what my friend Tim Thompson calls casual instruments, where they're meant for, you know, people who aren't trained in music or trained Basically in Basically the opposite of studying the violin for five years. Exactly, yeah. Something you walk up to and play. And those have been around forever, like the drum or, you know, a pentatonic uh, xylophone. They're things you can just walk up to and play. And actually making things like that and, like, giving them to other people or setting them up for other people to play sort of helped me learn a lot about um, how people approach things, how people learn things, mm. and um, what makes instruments intuitive. There's a lot to that for me because I think what makes acoustic instruments so great and the reason things like violins are still around and are still practiced and learned is not only are they, you know, incredibly expressive, you know, things you could spend your whole life studying, but they're also, you pick them up and they make sense. There's intuitive things about physical instruments where, like, pitch is always controlled in this way and loudness is always controlled by, you know, how hard you push on that thing and... Mm -hmm. It was watching other people play with my electronic instruments that helped me realize, you know, if we make electronic instruments more or less behave by those same rules or very similar rules, they become way more intuitive to play and um, ultimately become more expressive because you can sort of learn them by touch and feel and tactile feedback instead of, like, having to remember, you know, what knob interacts with which fader and you know, the more complex designs I find are less fun and less intuitive and less satisfying to play. You've got mail. Dear Lord Dover, I am tired of going to shows and watching people on stage with laptops checking their email. Can you please do something cooler than that? Sincerely, Steve.
So Moldover, you used to play in bands, uh, then you moved on to manipulating pre-recorded tracks, and now you do a combination of that where in your live performance you're manipulating pre-recorded tracks. Uh, you also play guitar and you have vocals, so you're doing things over those tracks, um, making a really nice effect of a one-man band. So I wanted to talk about this other kind of controller that you have, which I guess you call it uh, a hybrid instrument? Yeah, I think that's a good, good thing to call it. Um, because it has some older elements of controllers that we all recognize like a keyboard, um, and then some of your newer style um, controllers over here. So maybe you could give us a short um, overview of this instrument and talk about what you're trying to do with instruments like this. Yeah, well, in contrast to casual instruments like the Mini Masher, which are made for like untrained people. Uh, this was made uh, as more with other controllerists uh, in mind and, and people who had more traditional musical training like I do. I spent a lot of time studying guitar and there's lots of people who spent lots of time studying keyboards and drums and all sorts of other instruments and they want to use those abilities so I thought I'd make uh, instruments with those people in mind as well and that's why you have a traditional keyboard stuck in the middle of a bunch of non-traditional stuff. These multiplayer ideas all kind of grow out of the solo performance where, like you said, I'm a one-man band, which is, is great and fun, but there's a lot of things you can't do. You're just one person. Mm -hmm. So part of the inspiration for this is like, well, let me take the bass elements out of the mojo and make an awesome instrument that you know one person could do a lot more with. You run a blog at controllerism.com. You have your site. Uh, moldover.com, uh, and then you also are producing shows uh, through LoveTech. Is that pretty widespread, people that are getting into this kind of controllers? Yeah, they are. Um, it's hard for me to get a, a big picture of it because um, uh, it's, still, it's still just on the upswing, basically, um, but like manufacturers are getting interested. They're building different controllers. They're using words like controllerist in their marketing and... Um, you know, you see more more artists with more visibility doing these kind hmm. of... Is uh, Novation going to steal your idea? They've already stolen all my ideas. <laughs> so can I assume that the Mojo and these other hybrid instruments that you have are communicating with your interface or with your computer through MIDI? They are. So um, I'm curious about what you think about MIDI because uh, my perspective is that it's this 30-year-old slow protocol uh, that can barely handle what people are doing with it. And yet, it's still implemented in almost every design, and my only understanding of that is that it's cheap, easy to implement, so we still use it. You were telling me a little bit earlier that there's actually a big controversy about the continuing use of MIDI, so I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, well, it's, it's also a standard, and I think that's an important thing to point out mm -hmm. in that it's, it's, uh, it's all those things you mentioned, but it's also uh, still in instruments created 30 years ago, which means you can go get a synthesizer from that era and connect it to Ableton Live or whatever you want, and it works incredibly reliably. And that sort of indicates what I think is most important about it, which is that it works. It's like good enough. And one of my uh, uh, things is I, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And there's something to that. And to me, MIDI is, um, is kind of like sheet music. You know, it's a digital form of that. And that's been around for like hundreds of years. And it kind of grew and changed a little bit, but nobody said like, 
you know, we got to update and come up with a new form of notation. No, they just kind of like augmented it and made it work in a new way. And that's what's happened with MIDI. There's all these like, um, you know, timing tricks that happen in software. And you can do a lot of like smoothing um, algorithms in software that are really smart to mm-hmm. make up for the lack of resolution. Um, there's, there's kind of a workaround for pretty much everything um, that MIDI falls short of. And um, um, in a way, you know, that, that kind of works. And so to me, it's like, uh, it's kind of neat. Like the sheet music, the MIDI that I learned 10 years ago, like still works now. And I don't have to like learn a, a new system or have a completely blank slate. Like a lot of people are like, why don't you do OSC? OSC like accounts for a lot of these things. Um, and it does, but it's kind of, you start with nothing. You have to label things as notes and controller, whatever. And there's no standardization within OSC. Um, like there is in MIDI. So why do people shoot it down? I, they shoot it down for reasons I used to, and it's basically because you run into a limitation. And these days, like, whenever we run into a limitation, we're like, that's not cool. I bet someone on the internet's already figured out how to do that. I'm mm-hmm. gonna like download the app right now so I don't have that limitation. And people expect that from their software. There's like, they're like, oh wait, I can't, there's no keyboard shortcut for copying and duplicating and moving this thing in one stroke. Like, I'm gonna request this feature. <laughs> Um, and it's true. You assume it must exist. If you if it's slowing you down, there must be a way around it. Yeah, and and as an instrument designer, I've learned that like um, you don't want to like slow people down and force them to do like silly repetitive tasks. But sometimes the limitation of an instrument is is really a limitation, and it's it's maybe it's there for a reason. Maybe it's okay. Maybe you learn to work around with around it or work within it. So you have a group called Love Tech that's promoting live electronic musicianship. And one of the things that you do besides performances is uh, sound control play shops. So I was wondering if you could give an overview of that and what might happen if I went to one right now. Yeah, um, we like play shops because, I don't know, I think music should be fun. Mm-hmm. And workshops don't get me excited about <laughs> making music all the time. Um, and sound control is kind of like a term I came up with just to, to talk about what I do. Um, um, it's in the same bucket as controllerism, you know, so it's sound, sound control workshops or controllerism workshops. It's about playing sound with new instruments. Um, the ones that I do are typically um, one to two hours, and I, I do them at universities, um, colleges. Um, sometimes I do them on Skype. Um, I did one uh, with a, a group in Italy not long ago. Um, but I, I just kind of go um, go through a lot of what we talked about. I have like slides and stuff to give you visual interest, and I, I play a little bit of live music and do a lot of question and answer. And it's really just like I, I, I value education really highly, and um, I think uh, that's kind of the most important thing you can do. Sharing what you know. Yeah. It sounds fun. Do you know offhand when the next one is, or should people just go to Love Tech? Um, yeah, go to lovetech.org um, or go to my website, moldover.com. The next one I'll be doing um, will be a robot speak here in San Francisco. Which is that? Just up the street. Um, probably in February. We haven't actually picked a date. Okay. What's robot speak? Robot speak is this really cool independent uh, music store and they sell like circuit bent instruments and vintage synthesizers and a lot of really cool stuff as well as, you know, software and, and, and modern music tools. As we all know, as a format, the CD is on its way to extinction. 
Uh, I think, isn't it in a couple years that most uh, big labels are going to stop producing CDs or they're only going to sell through Amazon? Anyway, it's going to be no! few and far between. <laughs> and it's sad. Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to like hold on to the past. <laughs> but I think physical... You're not incredibly attached to the CD as a format, I guess? No, no. I do think physical formats for music and like, you know, artifacts to bundle with whatever music you make is a cool thing to do. Um, and so I was inspired by, by artists that do more than just, you know, a plastic case with a bunch of photographs on, mm-hmm. on a paper insert. Um, and so I wanted to do more with that. And I did a CD because like most of the music I, I listened to in my sort of formative years was on CD and I had cassettes and vinyl too, but CD seemed to still kind of make sense because people still have CD players in their cars. Yeah. Yeah, typically. So, um, so I did this, and um, the circuit board idea came from um, my friend Jojo um, uh, Joseph Martin, who did a uh, um, a business card for another friend of mine who's a visualist, and he did business cards made out of printed circuit boards, size and shape of a business card with the information printed in circuitry, and they just put like a battery and an LED and a little timer chip to blink the LED once in a while. And I was oh, like, cool. that is the coolest business card I've ever seen. <laughs> I want to do CD artwork. Excuse me. I want to do CD artwork <laughs> with that. And I'm like, well, if it's music oriented, why don't we make a circuit that makes sound instead of light? Um, and it makes light too. But um, So we put these, these little components in the corner are, are pieces of a simple um, a synthesizer. It's like, a, it's like a little one oscillator synth with some light sensors. So you can... Make glorious sounds like that, mm-hmm. and and change the light that's hitting the sensor and the sensor, and get different sounds. Yeah, this is good playing position. So we got that one and that one. I'm imagining people putting on the CD, listening to that, and then maybe trying to play along with you. <laughs> I bet it's happened. Um, and it has a little built-in speaker too, so and yeah. a headphone jack. Yeah, it's totally wireless. It's the speaker isn't isn't very impressive. Okay. Um, so the headphone jack kind of helps with the sound quality. Um, but yeah, so this is track listing. That's my logo. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually a maze. It starts really? there, ends there. It's really small. Good luck solving it, but the beauty is that the CD actually contains the solution oh. to the maze. So if you don't want to solve it, you can just put the CD there and it takes you through it and a bunch of cool. This is the best CD package I've ever seen. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for showing us your controllers. And where is the best place for people to follow you online to find out about what you're doing? Oh, um, my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, if you want to find out more about me and what I do, moldover.com. Thank you. My name is Moldover. Yeah. <laughs> Sound design live. Only elephants can hear it now. Zero hertz.